Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. My guest today is Mo Gaudat. He is a serial entrepreneur and former chief business officer of Google. Through his 12-year research on the topic of happiness, he created an algorithm for happiness, regardless of circumstance in life. He is the author of Soul for Happy, a book about a mission to deliver his happiness message to one billion people around the world. We also talk about his upcoming new book in this episode, so you'll hear some of what's coming next. But it was so great to talk to him about his work, his career to date, and his perspective on how we can all live a life we enjoy. And he gives some genuinely helpful tips for dealing with life overwhelm. He also has a brilliant podcast called Slow Mo, which I recently guested on, and I really recommend checking out all of his work. Here is the conversation with Mo that I absolutely loved, and I hope you enjoy it too. So hello, Mo. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Oh, yes, absolutely. I've been waiting for this one. Thank you for joining mine a a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was very popular. Uh, Now I'm under pressure to try and do a good job here. (laughs) Well, I've been looking forward to this all day as well, because I've listened to you on lots of podcasts. So this is my turn to (laughs) ask you everything I've wanted to know. I guess I wanted to start off for people who might not have read your books or necessarily dived into your world yet. I feel like so many people write about happiness. It feels like quite a saturated place now, but you are so unique and amazing and powerful with your work. And you really stand apart from a lot of stuff that's out there. And I think one of those things is this amazing combination between your technology engineering background and talking about happiness would you be able to talk to us about your formula yeah i I absolutely i mean the the truth is there is a lot of work about happiness believe it or not all of it works the challenge is we're still unhappy and and i i believe the reason is because it's written in a language that i you know a bit of a shakespearean language it's like written written you know in in a way that is not like what our modern world you know very logic based very fact based uh, you know people people want to hear about happiness and other topics in a way that's actually um solid right and and that was my my own personal problem when i when i became very unhappy in my late 20s uh, I, I read every book I could find, watched every documentary, and I just couldn't get it. Because, you know, when someone told me, say, OM, I was like, why? You know, just explain to me first why OM works. And, you know, why is it that breathing is life and all of that mystical stuff that, you know, they talk about when meditation and mindfulness and so on. And I needed a logical approach. So I actually did just that. I basically said, look, there is a machine uh, Mo, who was very happy until age 26, and then something broke. And so like an engineer, I was looking for what happened to the machine, what went wrong, okay? And, and the way I did it was, I know, funny to hear, but it actually really worked. I basically said, if I don't understand how a machine works, I reverse engineer it. And, and reverse engineering it basically is all about take as many data points of the performance of the machine as you can and plot them along a chart and find an equation that describes this curve, basically. And when you think about it, you, you, you realize that, yes, there, you know, you can easily write down, I feel happy when, you know, when I have a good cup of coffee or I feel happy when I'm chatting with Emma or I feel happy when my daughter smiles, right? What's common across all of those? What's, what's the equation that drives them? And it's actually very straightforward. Happy or unhappy rarely ever 
has anything to do with your state of life. You know, there are people in, uh, you know, in Latin America who live a very, very simple life who are much happier than people in Europe or Scandinavia who have the highest quality of life in the world uh, and, and, you know, some, sometimes feel very unhappy. And, and, and the reason is because it's not only what life gives you. It's not, it's not the event that you're going through. It's the way you think about it that makes you happy or unhappy. And, and so basically I realized that every event in my life where I ever felt happy was an event where life seemed to be going my way. It was, it seemed to be giving me what I wanted. Okay. And what I wanted differed from day to day, differed from mood to mood, differed from situation to situation. But if the event met expectations, I was happy. Okay. And so this is the equation in, in a nutshell. Your happiness is equal to or greater than the difference between the events of your life and your hopes and wishes and expectations of how life should be. So, so every, Every instant of anything happening in your life, you do that comparison in your, in your brain. You know, rain, okay? If it rains, are you happy or unhappy? It depends. You want to water your plant, you'll be happy. You want to sit in the sun, you'll be unhappy. And we constantly do that comparison, leading us to feel happy or unhappy, depending on that, you know, that difference, that thought in our head. And that's the interesting thing that really got me thinking with your work is, I think what I mean by like, there's so much out there about happiness is it almost became like, I didn't know what happy meant because it's used. So it's, it's just used as a word. And I was like, I've lost, I've lost the meaning of like, what is happy? And I think what your work does is actually bring out, it's, it's not necessarily this like emotion that sits on its own. It's, it's a state of mind, like you just said. Yeah, and, and it's a very accurate definition, actually. So, so as a matter of fact, the main reason I did this work was to, because as an engineer, if you tell me, uh, okay, go ahead and find happiness, and I don't know what happiness is, I'm never going to find it. it. It could be right there next to me, but if I don't know what it is, I'm never going to find it. And, and there is a lot of distraction, a lot of noise in the world that's making us think that happiness is in money, in a tall, beautiful, you know, uh, uh, a partner, in a, you know, in things that we can acquire. And all of this is distraction. The truth is events minus expectations. So happiness simply is a moment when you're okay with life as it is. That's it. Okay. Okay. With life as it is, regardless of how life is, if events meet your own expectations, you're happy. Now compare that to fun. And that's really, really the big, uh, uh, you know, outcome of this is to, is to realize, okay, so I'm in a party, I'm jumping up and down. I have a couple of drinks. Am I happy? No, you're having fun. This is very different. Having fun in that case is a brief moment. I call it the state of escape, believe it or not. Huh? It's not a state of happiness. It's a brief moment when you uh, occupy your brain enough or numb it enough not to solve the happiness equation, okay? Your brain is capable of solving the happiness equation, believe it or not, up to 60,000 times a day. If the events of your life changed 60,000 times, your brain still has the brain capacity to compare every one of them to expectations, right? But if you have a couple of drinks and you're chatting with your friends and you're laughing out loud and shaking your booty a little bit, you're, you're not thinking about this. And so you think you're happy because nothing is breaking your happiness equation. The problem with that is that fun wears out. Af after the party, you're back to the same thought that triggered your unhappiness. You know, my partner said something harsh on Friday, right? And if that thought comes back, 
and and the effects of fun wear out you're back to the same problem and and and, and one of the things that went wrong in our modern world is that we replaced happiness which is normally serotonin a calmer a calming hormone in our in our bodies that tell us calm down everything's okay you can sit you know you can relax you can uh, uh, rebuild your muscles you can close your eyes if you want to with the dopamine which is what you get when you're having you know feeling pleasure or having fun or feeling rewarded and dopamine is basically saying get excited get me more of this i'm addicted i want more of this okay and actually one of the reasons why we we, we struggled so much with the lockdowns is because when the lockdowns happened, we had withdrawal symptoms, almost like addicts. It's like, what, what are you telling me? I, I now have to sit with me? Like, where is the external stimulation that is stopping my brain from bringing up the topics that I'm inputting into my happiness equation and feeling miserable, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so the right way to use fun, interestingly, nothing wrong with fun, huh? but the right way to use it is to solve your happiness equation correctly first. Be content first and then supplement your life with fun and pleasure and joy and all of those activities so that you can enjoy life more, but build from a good base. I love that. And just to bring it back to a random example that I'm actually going to, I've been really thinking about so that I actually enjoy myself is I'm planning a wedding at the moment, which Mm -hmm. is going to happen in a few months. And I've literally been saying to myself, you have to enjoy yourself on the day because it would be so easy for me not to. It'd be so easy for like a tiny thing to go wrong and it for me to be like, it's ruined. And actually it's going to be an experiment to really just go with the flow, have fun. But but that, and that's the biggest thing. Believe it or not, this is my year of flow. Huh? And I'm supposed to be like an Olympic champion of happiness. At least that's my target, right? But flow is quite difficult. Why? Because we're trained, Emma. We're trained in the modern world that everything has to be perfect. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be easy. It doesn't have to be joyful. It doesn't have to be surprising and serendipitous. It has to be perfect. Okay. The canopies have to be exactly two centimeters wide. Right. And, and when you really think about it, who gives a damn if they're two and a half? Right. And, and who did, honestly, who gives a damn if they don't arrive at all? If your friends are around you and you're dancing and you're having a good time, congratulations, by the way, very lucky man. Uh, um, you know, b- b- basically, this is what matters. Can you, can you tell your brain to stop thinking about the things that are not right and think about the things that are right instead? And, and again, s- science will tell you the adult brain has a tendency to think six or seven out of every 10 thoughts in your brain are negative. Can you believe that? Can you believe, you know, our lives are so blessed in so many ways. Yes, every life has a few things that are wrong, but 70% of what your brain tells you is that things are wrong. That's impossible to, to believe. And, and of course, it's a skill. Hmm? It's a skill. Just like going to the gym, there is, you know, your brain uses neuroplasticity. It's a skill to be able to look at life and say, oh, look at this. This is amazing. Oh, look at that. That's wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm getting married to someone I love. My friends are around me, you know, and, and it's a sunny day. If, if you said in a few months, you know, hopefully in London, it will be, you know, sunny for a change. And, you know, life will be, life will be amazing in so many ways, but the canopies are, you know, are, are not right. And, and now we I've focus. been having nightmares about canopies. Yeah. yeah we, we, we zoom in and we go like, this is it. This is the problem. Life is horrible. 
But this is what's so fascinating about it is just really living this stuff can change everything. And I know that lots of spiritual teachers talk a lot about even being stuck in traffic and you wanting to be stressed about the fact that you need to get there more quickly. And it really is this sort of the modern, I guess, uh, challenge is to push back on that because we're so wired for everything to be just the way we want it. And I know you talk about committed acceptance and I wanted to talk to you about acceptance because of course that ties into the formula, accepting things as they are and reality. But I wondered for anyone listening, how do we accept the way the world is and also make change? Oh, Big, big, big topic. So let, let, let's begin by saying committed acceptance is the Jedi master level of happiness. Okay. There are, there are beginners levels and black belts levels, right? And, and they are, they're more around doing something about the thing that's upsetting you, right? You know, if, if, if you're a beginner, uh, you need to acknowledge that you're, you're feeling unhappy. And that, that, believe it or not, is a skill. In the modern world, we've, we've learned to hide our emotions so much that we even hide them from ourselves. We feel that something is wrong if we're feeling unhappy. Who's, whoever told you this, you're a human, right? As a matter of fact, the only thing that makes you feel alive is to feel, is to feel emotions, whatever they are, right? It's not, you know, when, when you have sweet and sour something, right? It's not because, it's not delicious because it's sweet only. It's sweet and sour. This is life. Hmm? And, and to acknowledge those emotions is, you know, is, is the, is the first step. Okay. Then you ask yourself openly and, and, and honestly and say, is what's triggering my, my emotions real? Because believe it or not, 90% of the time it isn't. You know, it's like I, I had a friend walk to me one day and say, the, the Uber driver disrespected me. And I was like, don't you think he needed to know something about you to dis dis disrespect you? I mean, wh wh where does that thought come from? Your brain tells you stuff that doesn't make any sense. You know, my, my brain occasionally says your daughter doesn't love you anymore. Like she, I love my daughter to bits and she texts me hearts all the time. Okay. Like, where did you get that from brain? Right. You, you get that through and you're done with the beginner's level to, to realize what's triggering your unhappiness to acknowledge your unhappiness and ask if it's true. If it's untrue, drop it. Right. The, the, the black belt level I believe is, yeah, sometimes it is true. You know, sometimes your boss is really becoming too demanding. Fine. It's a, it's a fact. What are you going to do about it? That's the simplest answer. Hmm? Your, un, your unhappiness, Emma, is, is simply a survival mechanism. It's your brain's fire alarm. It's your brain looking around it and saying, something is not matching my expectations. I don't feel safe. Right? Good. If my brain tells me this and triggers an emotion, listen to it. Like, okay, what's worrying you? What's, what's wrong? My, my partner said something harsh on Friday. Does that mean he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me anymore? Does that mean, you know, I'm going to spend the rest of my life alone? No, it doesn't. Hmm? It means text them and say, hey, baby, that hurt me what you said on Friday. Can we talk about it? Right? And take action. When you take action, you take away the reason for your unhappiness and you feel happier as a result. And, and life becomes better in the process. It's, it's the Jedi master level when things cannot be changed. You know, an example close to heart. Huh? Uh, in, the, in, in the United Kingdom, they locked you down for several months, right? Serious lockdown. You could do one of two things. You can hit your head against the wall. They say 17 times an hour. And you know, if you do it systemically for 17 days, Nothing's going to happen. You're still going to be locked down. 
right? And, and it's so silly when we do those things. There is nothing you can do to change it. So what can you do other than accept it? Okay, and instead of hitting your head against the wall and complaining and feeling frustrated, tell yourself, this is what it is. Can I accept it and make my life better despite its presence, right? Yeah. Or as a matter of fact, make my life better because of its presence. That's even more clever. Hmm? So I'm now locked down. What am I going to do with this? Hmm? I, and on, on my podcast, I had a, a guest that basically said, well, I'm going to come out of this better than I came in. This is very simple. Huh? I have no choice but to be locked down. I'm going to call my mom every day. I'm going to work out and I'm going to learn the piano. That's what he said he was going to do, right? I basically started a podcast and wrote two books. Amazing, right? I didn't write them despite the lockdown. I wrote them because of the lockdown. It's like, oh, hallelujah, I can be at home and write, okay? So, so committed acceptance is, is not a sign of weakness. It's not like, okay, my life, life has beaten me. No, no, it's basically a gamer's mentality of life has put me in an interesting corner. I'm going to show my skills and do the best with that corner. Amazing answer. That is so fascinating, isn't it? That you can accept and also push forwards in spite of what's happening. And it reminds me of Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way. Absolutely. That, but the, the stoic philosophy of things will happen and you, you, that is the way forward. It's funny what you just said, actually, it reminds me of, um, I think it's Byron Katie who says that we spend our whole lives looking at a piece of rope and thinking it's a snake. And I wondered with that, have you, has it been a challenge for you to find those quiet times in and amongst, you know, everything that's going on? Because I feel like in order to do what you say in terms of noticing our patterns or our thoughts, we kind of need to be still occasionally. Mm. How oh, you're 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 hitting the exact points. Hmm? We're constantly in a state of escape, right? It's so uncomfortable to be with you, right? And yeah, it's also uncomfortable to go on a keto diet, right? It's also uncomfortable to go to the gym every day. It's also uncomfortable to put your head down and finish that report. Okay, but these are the things that make us get ahead in life. These are the things that make us get better. Challenge is. We were told it's okay to be unhappy. You know, every, every teacher you, you, you dealt with, your parents probably, every boss you ever dealt with will tell you, no, no, it's a small tax. Pay that tax because it's going to make you successful. And successful is more important than happy. Big lie. Okay. As a matter of fact, happy leads to successful. Successful doesn't lead to happy. And, and you know that when you, when you notice, yeah. when you observe how many people who are rich and famous and, f you know, swimming in money and committing suicide, hmm? success does not lead to happiness. As a matter of fact, they're almost unrelated. In my work, I, I you know, before lockdowns, I taught maybe 25,000 people in person in workshops and in, in talks and so on, including some very high net worth individuals. Like we're talking billions. Okay. Miserable miserable, right? Success, money, possessions, you know, nothing. Happiness is a state of mind, as you said. And, and, and when it, what, what becomes interesting is can we find that state of mind, okay, by choice? By choice meaning they told us happiness is not important. But I'll ask you a question. When, when, when your throat hurts a little, 
okay? Why do you jump up and down and go like, hold on, hold on, I need to stop. I'll take the day off. I'll have, you know, a, a vitamin C and I'll sleep. Why? Because you instinctively know that that state of health is your ultimate state of performance. That without being healthy, you can be eaten by a tiger, okay? So instinctively, you know that being healthy is better for you. Similarly, interestingly, huh? similarly, being happy is your ultimate state of productivity, of social fitting, hmm? you know, of, of, of actual product, of actual uh, uh, creativity, of actual, actually making a difference, making, I mean, think about it. If you're, if you're unhappy, you're wasting cycles of your brain constantly in things that are draining you. Hmm? Your, your people around you dislike you a little, you know, the, the people that are happy, hmm? are people, people are attracted to them. They want to do things for them. They, they, you know, they welcome them into your, into their life. If they, if you're a salesperson, your customers like you, they go like, yeah, come, come over. You seem to be the right person to include in my life right now. And by the way, I'm going to buy something from you as well. Okay. Uh, scientifically, those who are happy are 30% more productive than those who are not, regardless of the reasons of their unhappiness at work or outside work. If you're happy in general, you're 30% more productive. Now, when you start to understand that, you start to tell yourself, okay, so this is as important as health. Hmm? And by the way, huh, too much unhappiness is just like the tiger. It's basically states of depression. You know, I, uh, 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 um, uh, I, I hosted Ruby Wax on my, on my podcast and she was talking about her state of depression. She said, it's like someone cut off your skull and filled your body with concrete, right? You can't do anything. You can't do anything. Now, you don't want to get to those states. And what you need to do is to make that choice, that choice of I'm going to invest frequently in becoming a little happier. Now, how do you do that? It's a habit. It's a very simple habit. I'll give you, a, 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 um, you know, again, I, I don't criticize, by the way, but I'm just, just to highlight to you how interesting our life is without noticing it. So I, I was locked down in the UK on the first lockdown in London, okay? And, you know, I never really watched TV at all, but, you know, out of curiosity to get to know the place a little bit, hmm, uh, you know, I started to switch on the news channels in the morning. And it's a very systemic way. Huh? They start with, this politician did something horrible. Okay, That celebrity did, some, did something disgraceful and we all uh, feel disgusting and, uh, disgusted and want to vomit. Uh, then uh, the world is going to collapse. Okay, And your world is going to collapse. These are the first four articles dressed up in different names of politicians, different names of celebrities, you know, different uh, 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 stories. So, you know, the world is going to collapse or your world is going to collapse because a child was kidnapped or whatever. And, and it's very, they are real situations, but they zoom in on them. And then they eventually say something like, and a penguin kissed a cat, you know, get up and try to live today too. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I promise you, if you notice that pattern, you will see it every morning. It's almost like programming. We're go What's going to be the, that the world is going to collapse article today and they'll find one and tell it to you. If you do this every day, hmm, your brain becomes really good at understanding, at seeking and finding and understanding reasons for the world to collapse. Right. You know, I, I, I haven't watched a horror movie in 14 years. Okay. And by the way, I haven't had a nightmare in 14 years. Hmm? I, I don't watch violent movies unless they're highly recommended to me because they have a message that teaches me something and I request recommendations from three people I trust. Otherwise, if someone takes a gun and points it, points it at someone's head in my, in, in my living room, I switch it off. 
right? And, and you have to start saying, why am I a peaceful person? Because I don't allow those things into my life. And we do so many things that are negative. We do them and feel proud of them and then wonder why our thinking is so negative. Why is it that all events are not meeting our expectations? Because we're trained to look for what's wrong. We're trained to, to criticize. We're trained to be disgruntled. Yeah, my boyfriend's annoying a little bit, but all boyfriends are, are annoying, right? My, 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 my boss is, is, you know, is pushy. That's why he's a boss, right? And, and when you really start to realize that, you realize that it's all happening in your head. And that if you actually start to train yourself to look what's, for what's good, you'll find it. It's so true. And I, I guess I, following on from that, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, because for me, I did switch off the news quite a bit and scaled back how much I was scrolling through Twitter, things like that. And I had this thought, negative thought, that that said, you know, it's a privilege to switch off from these things. And I felt guilty. So I get that actually question a lot. It's like, you know, I, I had a friend of mine who after 30 years of marriage uh, separated from his wife. Okay. At the same time, I was giving a speech at their, uh, at their company saying that happiness is your birthright. And he basically, he's my good friend. So he stood up and said, uh, I mean, stood up on Zoom, really, and, and said, and said, but Mo, I mean, I feel very guilty if I feel happy. You know, this situation is happening in my life. You know, I should be unhappy. And I'm like, whoever told you that? It's your duty to be happy. Do you understand that? It's your duty in life to be happy. Because when you're happy, you're making others happy. When you're happy, you're healthier. So good for the taxpayer's money, you're reducing the, the, the load on the country. When you're happy, you raise better children. It's good for your children. When you're happy, you're more creative, you're contributing more to the world. And so I can, I can go on for hours. Okay. It's your absolute duty. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not saying happy like surfing or going to parties. I'm saying happy as in calm, peaceful, contented, level-headed and, and, and balanced in a way that allows you to be the best version of you. Okay. And you end up being able to help these big scale problems more because you are in a place of actually being able to give rather than panicking. Absolutely. And, and the trick is the following. Hmm? And again, with, with all due respect, Emma, but you may have seen 17 or any typical Twitter, uh, you know, swipers, you see 17 disturbing facts about life a minute. Okay, this is happening to the environment, that politician did this, you know, uh, th th this is unjust and so on and so forth. Ask yourself honestly, please, how often did you manage to change any of them? How many of those actually triggered you to get up and do something about it? Okay, and how many just filled your, your entire being with frustration without being able to do anything about it? I'm, I'm a champion of many, many important topics, okay? But I choose the topics that I care about, okay? And that I actually have leverage so that I can impact them. And I assume to myself that I will champion those and that there will be another person that will champion the others. Because I can't be Superman. I can't be the person that's going to change it all. 
And because of that, I become an expert in the topics that I champion. So, you know, happiness is one. Now I'm working with a friend on, on stress and how we can reduce stress. You know, I'm, uh, uh, um, happiness education for children, you know, is something that I find really important working with a dear friend on, uh, you know, children's books and so on. You know, um, the idea of being able to get access to thought leadership from people who are not the celebrities, who are all about the money and the profit and so on. So slow-mo, my podcast brings you amazing minds that are saying being a billionaire is not about a billion dollars, right? And, and when you start to, to champion something, you actually make a difference. Even if the difference is that, you know, a few thousand people listen to my podcast or, a, you know, a, a few hundreds of thousands read my books or whatever that is, it's not going to change the world, but it is making a difference, even if to one person. And by distributing ourselves across where the media wants us to go, we end up making no difference at all. We're just... So true. And to people listening, I guess it's just very, very relatable and very instantly... It's not easy, but it's it's the first step, I think, for people who are feeling lost and feeling like they're scrolling through a billion things a day. Pick something, pick a few things, channel it into something. I think that's such good advice. I wanted to ask you about your new book. Oh, my new book. <laughs> I, you know, I, I know maybe we don't want to go fully in, into the process of rewriting your first book because that, that was a process where we've spoken about it on your show where it was spiritual and, and, and it came from a very, very raw place. And the way you wrote it feels quite unique from the stance of a creative process. So this book, has it been a completely different journey? So I, um, I have a confession to make. I'm, I don't know which new book you're talking about. I'm talking about Scary Smart. Okay, so I, I, I finished, before I finished Scary Smart, I finished a book called That Little Voice in Your Head, okay, which is about basically the the neuroscience of of happiness if you want what what really happens in your brain and how your brain turns everything into uh, into unhappiness and it was completely finished uh, submitted to my publishers and the day it was submitted my dear dear publisher carol uh, tonkinson in in the uk actually one, one of my dearest publishers globally uh, basically told me remember that story you told me about artificial intelligence you really need to write that down I was, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but in, in my One Billion Happy video, if you search for One Billion Happy, uh, the video that got me to leave Google and actually focus 100% on happiness is a video that's actually very much describing the story of how technology has affected our life in a way that magnified who we are. I mean, let me give you a simple example. Huh? You can run, you can walk at five kilometers an hour, you know, maybe run at several tens of kilometers an hour. But you get in a car and you can go 240 kilometers an hour, you know, uh, 200 miles an hour. You get, get get in an aeroplane and you can go much faster, right? And and technology is just, just magnifying who we are, magnifying our abilities, magnifying our mobility, magnifying. What's happening now in the world is that technology has taken a, a, a very different turn at the turn of the century, really, okay? Uh, in terms of artificial intelligence being able to become the next wave of intelligence that is actually much smarter than we are, okay? It's already much smarter than we are in many, many things. And in no time at all, we're talking 10, 15 years at most, it will be the smartest being on the planet. Now, when you really understand this, you realize that part of intelligence, you know, we don't make choices because of how powerful our brains are. We use that brain power through a lens that we call ethics, 
to make choices. Okay, so so you you have to have that lens developed properly for you to be able to make the right choice. A simple example, huh? uh, if if Emma, if you were born in Saudi Arabia to a, a Saudi family, right, you, you know, and lived in that society for a while, this society changing now, but for a very long time, it would have meant that you would willingly and even int- be interested in wearing conservative uh, clothing because that's the way you fit into, into the values of the society. The society says to be accepted, wear conservative stuff. They took it a little overboard with all of the covers and all of that, but, but the idea of conservative is, is where they want it to be. You go to, if you were born in Rio de Janeiro, hmm, to, a, to, a, to a, a, you know, a Brazilian family, a G-string on the beach is the way you could fit in. Now, is one of them right and the other wrong? No, they're just different values. Right, and you, with your intelligence as a child, hmm, you you gather patterns around you, and you say, "Hmm, it seems that the right thing to do is this or that." Now, our our artificially intelligent infants, those machines that we're building today, and you know, we may not have the time today to to cover it in detail, but but they are really learning like infants. Hmm? They are observing patterns and creating intelligence through neural networks and something we 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 know as deep learning, and it's very similar to the way a child actually develops intelligence. Now, what are they going to do? They're going to magnify the intelligence of their parents. Their parents are you and I, okay, and and everyone listening, huh? Mommy and daddy are horrible. Like we really are disgraceful. You know, we destroy our planet. We bully each other. We lie on social media all the time. Our history is littered with violence. It's littered with greed. You know, it's, it's, re- we're really, if we, if this gets magnified, we're in deep trouble. We're in deep, deep trouble. And so Scary Smart is telling the story of, by the way, don't sleep much longer. Because if you're not aware of how far artificial intelligence has gone, you might as well want to read this because it is there. It's already there. It's already smarter than we are. And shit is already going to happen. Okay? Oh and uh, uh, not, I'm not scaring. I don't want to scare anyone at all. As a matter of fact, the idea is that calls for action for every one of us because we need to set an example as good parents. We need to start behaving in different ways because that's where the machines are going to learn, okay? If someone, you know, if I, I always use the example of Donald Trump who tweeted weird stuff, all right? He, he, when he tweeted one tweet that was one pattern to be recognized by the machines, then there were 300,000 replies below it which were all rude and narcissistic and, you know, aggressive and so on. It wasn't Donald Trump's tweet that affected the trend. It's the, it's the entire uh, um, theme around that whole conversation that became negative and aggressive, and, and right? And we need to start changing. We need to start changing. And the only change we can make, the only thing, by the way, in my view, that, that, that humanity agrees upon is we all want to be happy. Okay? It's as simple as that. Hmm? Everything that we do, including seeking love and partnership and kids and success at work and buying cars or, you know, being isolated in a retreat for four years if you're a monk or whatever, all of us are doing those things to be happy. This is the only value that we all agree. Okay? And if we can start to prioritize that value and show the world that not only do we care about having this for ourselves, but also we want others that we care about to be happy too, 
That pattern recognition is going to create machines that I sort of sometimes term like the Indian children, you know, who are very, very smart. They go travel to California. They build amazing startups. They make a ton of money and then they go back and take care of their parents. Okay. And, and this is where we need to start realizing that our world is changing in ways that are much bigger than the pandemic. You know, COVID-19, they say it's a smart virus. Hmm? It's nothing compared to how smart those things are going to be. Now, that book is, an, is a wake-up call. It's basically saying, look, you know, it, start, it starts with the idea of you and I are sitting next to a campfire in the middle of nowhere in 2055. Okay? I'm not going to tell you until the end of the book if we're sitting in the middle of nowhere because we're running away from the machines or because the machines have built a utopia for us that allows us to go out in nature, okay, and just have a good time. I, wow. be, I believe it's going to be the second, but it's going to require an action from you, me, and everyone listening. And that action is very simple. Prioritize your happiness and tell the world that you want others to be happy. Oh my God, Mo, I cannot wait to read that book. Yes! And thank you so much for, you know, you're someone that was in the heart of that industry and you're telling us what we need to know. And I know that I read the sort of blurb uh, for the book and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sort of says a lot of people already know this. The engineers know this, but the people reading it might not know it. So you're doing a great thing. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, so, so that's one book. I'm also writing five children's book books i hope they come out this year because i believe that this actually is what changes the world we we haven't done the right the right thing by our children you know we constantly push them to be successful we constantly push them to stand out while we should probably consider that as parents success is for your children to be successful and happy because if they're not happy you wouldn't feel that so proud as a parent so true so true. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much for this. The book, uh, Scary Smart, that's out this year, isn't it? It's hopefully out in September. Yes. And actually okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be running a, a, an early readers campaign by the beginning of June, which basically, so this is the way I write. The way I write is I write like a software developer, really. So I put a beta out, uh, which, uh, which is going to be ready in a couple of weeks. And I invite somewhere around 300 readers. So if people want to participate uh, in in early reading, please just find me on uh, on uh, on Instagram mo underscore gaudet, and you'll get an early uh, copy with just a, a request for you to give me feedback on what I can correct to make it better. Amazing! That is good timing then. Yes. Well, we'll have to do this again, and I feel like you know chats with you are only going to scratch the surface. But really glad that we get to read so much more about it in the new book and. Yeah, this was a pleasure to do. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Emma. I, I'm very grateful for the opportunity and I hope we made a tiny bit of a difference to people today.